This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well, as promised, we have a we have a special uh, one of our own speaking tonight. Chuck's going to be bringing the word tonight. Amen. So come on up, Chuck. Let's bring Chuck on, on up here. Come on. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come this on. guy's been around here for a while, longer than I have. So uh, just a few years. And actually, she, his daughter's preaching. Chuck's just going to be. Able to, I'm, I'm, oh, you're not. I'm, you're I'm his her, escort. I'm her moral support. Okay. All right. You got. You got you, to say? All right. Very good. I asked her to guide me up here. I mean, all right. To escort me up here. <laughs> all right. Well, Chuck and Heidi. They've, that's his wife, Heidi, back there. Most of you all know all this information, but I'm just telling you. And then they got the three kiddos, and they're blessed to have them. So anyway. Chuck's going to bring the word. Let's receive tonight. Let's have open hearts and minds and listen to what God is saying to us. Let's hear it one more time for our own brother here, Chuck. Amen. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, you know, when Pastor Dave asked me if I would be willing to speak next week or this week, let me see, he told me last week, but now or next week. And I said, whatever works. And he chose this week. Praise God. Um, and I was praying to the Lord. I said, God, I would like to do on covenant. And, and then I've been reading pastor's book. And uh, God, you, you choose. What do you want me to speak on? Come here Sunday morning. Pastor Dave gets up. All right. This next series is going to be on covenant. And I go, I'm not going there. So, <laughs> so because covenant, I mean, it, it is the foundation of who we are in Christ. I mean, if we don't get covenant right, we're going to miss it. I mean, Christianity without Jesus is void. Covenant without God is void. I mean, we have to understand the covenant. So I am listening to the words that Pastor Dave has to say. And yes, Pastor Dave, this morning when you're talking about covenant, I was thinking about a cake. A what? That's off the wall. I was thinking, okay, you need a cake. You have flour. You have sugar. You have Cocoa, you have something. And then you put it all together, you got a cake. And I'm sitting there going, okay. Pastor Dave goes, you got promises. You have blessings. You have, you add all those things together. And we have covenant, a relationship. Can't forget the relationship. So I was just thinking about that little tidbit there. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to go to First Samuel. Our God in heaven, you're an awesome God, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get up here and speak. Um, to your people, Lord, I pray that you will use me and you will open up hearts to hear your word and to receive your word. And you use my mouth as your mouthpiece, Father. I am willing and ready to move forward with you, Lord, dear God. I love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are going to go over here into First Samuel. You can go ahead and turn me down just a hair there, Tom. I have my notes. I have my just nerves. And I I am going to go into... I'm not that bad because, believe it or not, Kingdom of Heaven Outreach Ministries has kind of worked out some of the bugs in my life. So I'm more able to get up there and speak and not be so nervous. And I thank God for that. And every time speaking to people, more of the bugs disappear. The water starts returning back to the mouth quicker and sooner. Um, I, I did finish reading Pastor's book, uh, only because I wanted to be behind the vision 
that pastor had for this church and passing it on to Pastor Dave and passing it on to us. So I wanted to get into it and read the book. If the Holy Spirit felt it necessary to talk to Pastor Bernie Samples saying, I want to be your prayer partner, I thought it important to find out what the Holy Spirit was saying to Pastor. So I decided to get his book and I decided to read it because he is our spiritual leader and Pastor, as well as Pastor Dave, in High Desert Word Center. So, I wanted to find out what he, what he said, and I, and I was going, Lord, I can't speak on everything in a short amount of time, the prayer, the leadership, and unity. And Pastor hit prayer all last week. I said, yes, that, that thinned it out a little bit. But however, I do need, in order to establish the foundation of leadership, I need to go and talk about Hannah just a little bit. It's kind of important that we understand um, a vow and what Hannah said on First Samuel uh, chapter one, verse eight through eleven. I'm going to go with. Then Alkanah, her husband, said to her, "Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons?" So Hannah, Hannah arose. After they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Why Hannah was so in bitterness of soul is because Alkani had another wife. Okay, one's enough for me. I thank God. Alkani other wife was popping out kids left and right. Hannah was feeling left out. She was feeling like she didn't have a place in the family and the lineage, I mean, in Israel, because back there, in that time frame, in that time, you're having sons and daughters. It's kind of establishing who you are as a woman. It's kind of giving you precedence, and it's like standing. So she was anguished at heart. Then 11, verse 11, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Listen to that. That is the uh, that is going to be a Nazarite vow. She, not even going to go into there. Okay. And that happened, uh, verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Her mouth was moving. Go down to verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition, which you have asked of him. Got to remember, Hannah made a vow to the Lord. If she was to conceive of a man-child, a male boy, that's all there is is male boys. But anyway, um, if she was to conceive, she would dedicate to the Lord. This is where our baby dedications come from, in a sense, and why we don't baptize, we dedicate to the Lord. Hannah took it to mean, I am going to give my child to the Lord. And when I'm going to go over to here in um, verse 17, I already read that. Hannah honored her vow and brought Samuel to the house of the Lord. Verse 28. 
says, therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He, bel- he will be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Now, Hannah dropped her son off after he was weaned over there underneath the priest of Eli. Literally, here you go. I promise I made a vow. This is, I'm holding up my end of the covenant. You gave me a, a boy, a male. I'm going to give him back to you. So the honor that she did and she had was she wasn't going to break out of that vow. How many times have we said, I'm going to take, tell my child, children, I'm going to go do this for you. And oops, we forget to do it. How many times do we say, I'm going to meet you over at your house at a certain time? Oops, we didn't do it. We, we allow our words to ensnare us and we forget to honor something that we speak and something that we said. But Hannah did not. She fulfilled what she said to the Lord. Imagine, I mean, a lot of you have firstborn children. Now, and to actually say, I'm going to give my child to you. Lord, and not see that child until the next year? I would imagine that would be pretty tough. But later on in line, God met with Hannah and Alkanah, and she had some more kids, and that was awesome. So God blessed her that way. The reason why I'm going in here to, to Samuel is because Samuel grew up, and the Lord, he knew. Let's go to three nineteen and 20 of 1 Samuel. Amen. I am just building a foundation for when I get into leadership and into unity. Um, so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Now right here, Samuel grew up in the house of the Lord. When we dedicate our children to the Lord, we should be bringing them here. Um, I'm sure the pastors would appreciate if we take them home with us and say, really, I mean, okay, Pastor Dave, here's my son. He's all yours. Have at it. I don't know that that's going to go over well. Eli, the priest, even had his own sons. They were, I'm not going to go into all their details, but they were um, abusing their positions. So we had to stay away from that. Hannah's prayer, faithfulness, and keeping her vow to the Lord gave us, gave the nation a priest and a prophet. This was the first time that Israel had received, the the man was a priest as well as a prophet. Before, Israel was being led by judges and prophets. And the priests were taking care of the inner temple and all that stuff. But this time, Samuel fulfilled both offices. We get into Jesus' ministry. He fulfilled priest, prophet, and king. He takes it even all the way. He's, he's the Lord and Savior, which is awesome, man. Um, 1 Samuel 16, 5-13. The reason why Samuel is so important, because of what he does next. Samuel 16, verse 5 through 13.
Here we're leading into an issue to where King Saul, the Israelites rejected Samuel. Well, they actually rejected God. They didn't want God to rule over them. And Samuel was feeling hurt and he was feeling bad. I'm not going into all these scriptures. I'm just laying a foundation here on what what happens and why all of a sudden there is now a king for Israel, a leader. And Israel chose Saul. That wasn't God's choice. That was the people's choice. So Saul, he was he was anointed by Samuel, but then Saul disobeyed and did what he wasn't supposed to do by not killing everything and destroying everything and taking things as prizes. And um, Samuel said, "You know what? You're you're no longer going to be king. It's going to be leave." But God honored. King Saul's until his death. However, God had to anoint another king. And this happened early on in life to, to David. Check this out. On verse 5, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he cons- consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We're going to start getting into the leadership aspect of this part of the message, the heart. Samuel saw, wow, this has to be the king. But no, God corrects him and says, no. I'm looking at the heart. I'm not looking at the inward man. I mean, I'm not looking at the outward man. I'm looking at the inward man. So Samuel, he goes through all of his sons. God says no. God says no. And he's... Samuel's sitting there with a full flask of oil that he's, God sent him to anoint somebody as the future king. He looks down over Jesse. Hey, Jesse, is there any more? Oh, yeah, I got my youngest son is sitting out there in the field watching the sheep. Well, bring him on in. So they brought in David, a little man sitting out there. They said he's ruddy looking and he's, you know, kind of tiny and then another he said he's kind of handsome, but anyway, go over here to verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. I didn't quite study what ruddy, ruddy meant, but anyway, hanging out with sheep all day, I imagine you can get ruddy, muddy, and goat heads all over you, whatever, but anyway. Um, that Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Samuel's gone. He is now anointed the new king. It wasn't immediate. It wasn't right away. There was a long time before David became king. A long time. Years. Leadership and training is years. David's leadership and training was out there hanging out with the sheep. 
where he could, where God can speak to him, where he learns his responsibilities, he learns how to tend to sheep, and take care of his father's flock, being responsible where God had called him and where God had put him. I'm going to see if I get into my notes here without backtracking. 1 Samuel 17, 32, and 36. This is where David meets Goliath. David, at this point in time, he was going to feed his family, taking some food, and he sees this tall man out there taunting the Israelite army, taunting him and messing with him and just cursing at him, doing and saying whatever he darn well pleased because nobody in Israel was standing up to him. And David, a little shepherd boy, the smallest in his family, the youngest, brothers didn't want him there. And verse 33, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of his flock... Wait a minute, i got to back up here. David, a little shepherd boy, he's out there, God, I thank you for these sheep, playing his little harp, doing his music, making his songs. Oh, Lord, you're so good to me, and I praise you. Ring. God, why does that lion have a sheep in its mouth? Oh, God. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. We said, the Lord was with him. Well, go get the sheep. Go rescue that thing. So David, he gets over there and he takes that lamb out of that lion's mouth. He did it. I've seen lions and I'm pretty sure they're pretty tough. But an anointed shepherd boy had the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, God on his side, to go take that lion out of its mouth. David comes back, he's he's probably all being happy and night, you know, I, yeah, don't mess with me and my God, I got you. Okay, next thing you know, he's playing his harp again. God, you're beautiful to me, I love you. You're the awesome God I can count on, I can trust in, I can rely in. You anointed me king, when is that going to happen? I'm getting impatient, but God, I'm going to wait on you. Wait, there's a stinking bear over there. Taking another sheep, another lamb. Spirit of the Lord comes on David. He goes over there and he's going to tear that bear apart. He goes, ha, no, no, no. That lion didn't do nothing to me. You little bear. And I don't even think you're a black, you're not even a brown bear because you're over there in the Middle East. You're probably just a black bear. I don't even know if they have grizzlies over there. It doesn't matter. It's a bear. Big furry thing with long teeth. It's a bear. A lot of people in here might be afraid even to see a bear walking right by you. I would go up and pet a bear if the park rangers would allow me, but um, they won't up in Mammoth. So anyway, he rescues this bear. He comes back. Here I mean, rescues this lamb. Sorry. Brings back this little lamb. Puts it back in the flock. And David, right now, he is building up his confidence in God. In his God. He goes, man, I, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine that's going to go against the armies of Israel? No, 
Verse 35, I went out after that, after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. The servant has killed both lion and bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. We can go into how David killed the lion. We can keep on going on on that, but this is not where I'm heading. I am establishing the foundation of a leader before he becomes a leader. He is working out the bugs in his life. God is working out the the insecurities, getting building his confidence, giving him that I can do this because with God, all things are possible. That's. God, I, I, David had that principle before that was even the scripture in New Testament. He said, I can do it because my God said I can. And he gave me the strength to overcome. I just want to say something else. In the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came on individuals and left. We, New Testament, New Covenant believers, the Spirit of God lives and dwells in us. So the authority that we have is much greater it's always there. The only thing really hindering us from tapping into that is us. We're the ones. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change his mind. He, he wasn't a mistake that he saved you. And it wasn't a mistake that he's filled you with his spirit. However, we have the things in our life that are holding us back. Keeping us from becoming who we are and who God wants us to be. There is no reason other than ourself, our flesh, keeping us back from what God has called us to be. We are mighty warriors. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We don't have to sit back and get beat up by the devil day in and day out. We don't have to sit there and take his garbage because he made a way for us. He took all, Jesus took all of that from us. The only thing that we have to do to fulfill our end of the covenant, the RN is to crucify our flesh and acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct our paths. Flesh gets in the way. Things happen. We, we look with our eyes and instead of seeing with our heart, God looks at our heart. We can go through life. We can have some mistakes. We can have some major foul-ups. We can do some stupid stuff. But you know what? How we get over that, how we make it through that, is God's going to look at our heart. And God's going to help us get through it. Should we lean on Him and trust on Him and not go away? Well, I'm being accused of it. I might as well do it. I did it before. I'm, I might as well just do it again. God forgave me that time. He'll forgive me this time. Well, He will. He will forgive us. But we gotta ask for forgiveness and we gotta be willing to move forward. And with that, doesn't matter how many times, if, if Jesus tells the disciples to forgive 70 times 7, how much more is He willing to forgive? I mean, I'm a walk-in forgiveness bucket because I've been forgiven so many times that 
I still want to move forward. I'm going to press on. I'm going to move to the goal. Move towards heaven. I'm going to do what God's called me to do as often as I can do it. I use my my work. Uh, that's my pulpit. Someone's coming in. I am. They're talking about their exhaust, and I'm praying about the Lord. I'm hearing what they're saying. They're talking about fabrication. I'm hearing what they're saying, but I'm Lord is a door. Lord, what can I? What can I say? What can I say? Oh, God is good. Yes, He is. And, and I'm just. I'm just working for an. Looking for an open door to preach Jesus. Sometimes my workers will come out to me. I say, Come on, let's pray for this guy. We lay hands on someone and we pray for him right there in my shop. And I don't care what other customers come in. I'm doing it. I am walking out my salvation. I am doing what God's called me to do. Now, granted, I need to pray more. If anybody says they pray enough, or anybody says they're doing everything they need to do, you should probably be heading out to a church and get your own church right about now. Because uh, we are all leaders. I want to tell you one thing. Leaders will always feel like they're not doing enough. That, man, I I gotta do more. I don't feel like I'm achieving the goals that you want me to achieve, God. So, you just wanna, you wanna move and you wanna do more. And, but it's all in God's timing. It took a while for David to be king. David got put on the national stage right there. Okay, now he's noticed. But I tell you what, this wouldn't have happened if Hannah would have held back her vow if she would have said, I'm going to give you my firstborn male child occasionally, I am going to, I'm going to bring him home and he can do whatever he wants. I'm going to give you my firstborn child and I'm going to leave him with you, God. I am going to, now we have to take our children home because like I said, pastors don't want us dropping them off. We have to take our children home And we have to be the priests of our home and raise our children the way God wants them to be raised. We don't know whether we are going to birth a Samuel. What I mean by that is, okay, not literally put out a Samuel's name, but a nation changer, a life changer. We don't know what we're going to do. She just, I'm going to give them to you, God. And you're going to mold him. You're going to transform him. You're going to cause him to... You're going to create in him what you want. But I am giving him to you. It's a good thing he didn't take after Eli's sons. Because they were... they Like I said, they were bad dudes. You can go ahead and read Kings. I mean, Samuel. And, fig, and get to that point. And, and just figure, that, figure them out. But Samuel... He could... Well, giving birth to a Samuel, giving birth to a leader, giving, raising up someone that is going to serve God, someone that will change a life. Now, there's wherever we're at in life as parents, we can still lead and train. Because our children, I don't know what Brody's going to do, Edge is going to do. I know what they're doing now and they're driving me nuts sometimes. But I'm seeing character and I'm seeing develop, I'm seeing little things starting to pop up in them that, oh, we're going to start moving them, directing them this way. We're going to start doing that with them and with my daughter and just, what are you, okay, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to bring them to church and take them home and lead them. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the priest of the home. And you know what? 
That's what we can do as priests of our home. And without Hannah being faithful to her vow, faithful to God, we wouldn't have had a Samuel. Probably wouldn't have led to a David. Pastor David's going to get into the Davidic covenant eventually here. Somewhere along the line. Please come and listen to the covenant um, uh, preaching that Pastor David is talking about. Revolutionize and it will change your life. And it will give you a greater understanding standing and establish you Establish your roots on who you are in Christ. So, and I, and as I was thinking about this, I'm going, covenant. Everything we talk about, everything we preach on is towards the building of covenant. We're either, for pastors are trying to get us to fulfill our parts by submitting and committing to the Lord so God can fulfill His part of His covenant. I mean, basically, how we can live right and how we can establish his kingdom here on this earth. Covenant. But we're talking about leadership right now. I just, I just can't think about how important covenant is. I mean, it's just so important on this whole thing. And Hannah got it. I am going to go to Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. This is where Jesus, is it really that late already? I haven't even warmed up. Man, that's what I get for being under pastor buildings for so long. Anyway, this is where Jesus, right here, I'm going to, on my page, it's like a half of it. Verse 16, as, as he walked, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then they immediately left their nets and followed him. And then when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, also in a boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee and, and the boat with the hired servants, and went after him. I'm telling you, these right here, Jesus chose disciples. He didn't go to the Sadducees. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He didn't go to the religious leaders of the day. He found men that were doing what they were supposed to be doing, being stewards of somebody else's, stewards of their fathers. They were fishermen. Some of the uh, disciples were John's disciples, Matthew, a tax collector, guess what these men were doing? They were all doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were being faithful to what God called them to do at this time in their life. And then Jesus, come on, follow me, it's time, you're done. They dropped down their nets, they left, and they followed him immediately right away. There was no hesitation. Now, of course, things were going on, going around that, uh, I'm sure Jesus... His words were going around. I mean, they knew that Jesus, people knew when they were talking about this man, talking about salvation, healing the sick, and Jesus needed his disciples. So he picked up leaders, found them what they were doing, and they left. Picked up and gone. John 17, 20 and 21. 
Now, when, when I'm, I'm pulling this in faster than what I want to, but wherever you are at in life as mothers, fathers, grandparents, youth, children, be faithful to where God has you now. Be faithful what He's given you now. And along the way, keep coming to church. Keep learning what pastors have to teach you, what guest speakers have to teach you, because they are teaching you how to live according to our portion of the covenant with God so God can fulfill His part of the covenant with us. Yes, we've been saved. We've been saved by grace through faith and not of works. The same man should both. But however, we all, Pastor Dave mentioned it tonight. We got Jesus as Savior. Oh yeah. But now we need to make Him Lord. The transition, it's easy to say, okay, you save, He's my Savior and I can do what I want to do. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. But however, do you want to grow? Do we want to prosper? Do we want to flourish? Do we want to do what God's called us to do? Okay, now it takes another step forward. We need to say, I make you Lord. I surrender to you, God. I give you my life. Everything I have is yours. It's yours. That is saying, I am Lord. That is saying, Jesus is my Lord. When we're saying, okay, there's more to this salvation than just having to punch in my ticket and I'm going to stay out of hell. When we, can, when we say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you are actually saying, I submit, I am going to be a bond servant to you. I am willing to serve and submit to you. That's the bond servant. A servant or a slave has no choice. But when we say, you are my Lord, we have become a bond servant to the Lord and say, I am willing to serve you. Now, I, I can read chapter 17 of John and you probably should read chapter 17 of John if you haven't already and you don't know that Jesus is praying for his disciples and Jesus prayed for us 2,000 years later he prayed for us so when you know you have the master's prayer when you have your savior's prayer and you committed him as Lord and Savior you have your Lord's prayer for you, right here. Don't take it lightly, because Jesus' words don't come back void. I, I wanted to go back to Samuel, but I'm not going. I'm not going to go back to Samuel again. I'm going to stay here. Twenty of John 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they will, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Right here, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus passed, gave his word to his disciples. They not only asked, they quickly, they, they turned into Jesus' friends, he calls them friends, which is much more binding than a disciple. 
then now they become apostles to where they are preaching the word to us. And if we believe in the, the words that the apostles spoke, that Jesus spoke, Jesus is praying for us. And here's the, here's the kicker. We migrated over into unity really fast. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. When we're talking about unity here, we're talking about being one with the pastors. We're not talking about haphazardly, I'm going to, you know, they're saying something, okay, yeah, it's cool, you know, I'm sure it's good words. But when we take those words and we become one with their words and be one with the pastors, High Desert Word Center can move mountains. When we become in unity and become one, see, we're way out here on the north side of Barstow. Sometimes it's a little tough for people to want to get out here because they make up excuses. But we want to draw them in by our unity, by our oneness in spirit, by our purpose. And our purpose is to seek and save that which was lost. To reach out to the lost souls, to bring them in the church, messed up, bruised up, beaten down, tattered, just torn up so we can, pastors can encourage them. So leaders in the youth group, leaders in the Sunday schools can teach them to bring them up into what God's want them to do. Tell these newborn babes, children, say, I have the victory. Jesus is my Savior and He's my Lord and I'm going to go out and get somebody. Because I want people to know the God who saved me. When I first got saved, that was it. I go, God, you saved me. I no longer have to live in this muck and this mire. I'm not going to go to hell no more. So I know that I have covenant with you, God. At that time, I didn't know I had covenant with God. But because I didn't know nothing. He just saved me. I submitted to God. And after time, man, I made him my Lord. And, um, yeah, there's troubles that come along. The world don't like you. The devil don't like you if you say, Jesus, your Lord. He, he might mess with you a little bit if you just keep him as your Savior. The devil, you know, he'll, he'll stab, but he'll, he'll mess with you. He'll try to get you even to reject the Savior part. But once you say, I, Jesus, you're my Lord, the devil wants to attack. Because, uh-oh, now you're serious. Now you want to follow the one I despise, this is the devil saying, okay, the tax become harder, but greater is he that is in me and y'all than he that's in the world. We resist the devil with all those fiery darts, with all those things he throws at us, and he will flee. Submit to God and resist the devil. We gotta, we cannot forget the submissive part. We gotta submit to God. And what does it mean by to submit to God? Oh, his word. Submit to pastors. Submit to someone in authority. Put someone in authority over you that knows the word. When you're submitting to that person in authority that knows God, they're there to help you. They're not there to judge you. 
They're not there to tear us, to tear you down. It's just like casting your cares on the Lord and you're reaching out to individuals saying, I need help. Please help me. That's what mature Christians do. That's what mature Christians do. Amos 3.3 Can two walk together unless they agree? Now, the answer, you keep going reading it, no. There's a bunch of scenarios down there in Amos. And no, you can't. You cannot walk together if you don't agree. Going into, now that we established that, 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Being unequally yoked. You have two oxen working a field. You have an unequally yoked. We have a weak one. The strong one is pulling. Say, come on, come on, come on. You can do this. We can plow this ground. This weak one is, nah, I'm too weak and tired. I don't want to go that way. The strong one is, come on, you can do it. Guess what's going to happen to both of those? They're both going to get sores on their neck. Both of them are going to get wore out. Both of them are not going to do the task that their master wants them to accomplish. So they're unequally yoked. They cannot do what you get two people that are yoked together and they are moving. They are plowing. They are making a difference in this world. It is so awesome when you know, Mrs. Pastor told Mr. Pastor that, okay, I'm going to rent this building. I'm going to do this and you're going to go preach. He goes, you know, okay, whatever. He wasn't ready to jump, jump in. But Mrs. Pastor knew he had a colleague. And that's where he was going to go. And she pushed him. She moved him. She did that. I'm sure we're not going into the full detail of how he was actually feeling at that moment. Nervous. And, and he, you know, he said, God, he threw out his fleece. You can read up on fleece if you want to. Technically, New Testament Christians don't throw out fleeces. They're led by the Spirit of God. And he would say, you bring in some money, then I will know you're there. Okay. God gave him some money. They're on the road to pastoralship. Awesome story. And because of that little push that Mrs. Pastor did, here we are. Here we are. Birthing a Samuel, being obedient, birthing the spirit of a Samuel, doing what had to come. And here we are. The result of that movement that Mrs. Pastor did and pastor will be and they yoke together and they want to see people saved they want to see families strong they they are yoked and they are moving together and they're not swaying to the left or to the right i mean on the honeymoon where do they go to a conference how many on their honeymoon went to a conference uh, I, I can't say uh, not too many but they knew who jesus was and they knew who their lord was uh, they went to a conference that's how much they love God. We can go into Acts 1, 13 and 14 to where the disciples were all in unity and the 120 of the upper room all in one accord. But it's much deeper than that. Okay, what are they in one accord with? Okay, they had everything in common. Their spirit was lined up with God's spirit. They knew that they were going to serve God. First, when Jesus resurrected from the grave, he had to go restore Peter. He had to go reaffirm Timothy because there was doubt. 
There could not be oneness with that doubt and with that insecurity that Peter had and with that doubt that Thomas had. So he literally went and restored them so that they would be one in the ministry that God's called them to be. you got to have that. you got to have that ministry. Pastors don't put people in leadership unless they have that unity, that oneness. It doesn't mean you have your thoughts and opinions of how things maybe should go. You either keep your mouth shut or gracefully present that thought. And maybe, because sometimes, you know, get tunnel vision. But however, when we're focused and we're in oneness with the pastors, we're in unity with the pastors. Leaders are in unity with the pastors. And they want to get the people in unity with their vision, which is God's vision, to fulfill their ministry so we can fulfill our ministry so we can seek and save the lost. Final scripture, Matthew nine thirty-five and 37. The one place I didn't put a, uh, a little notepad here. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. I read this, and I kind of like, huh? Wait a minute. Doesn't it take compassion to heal the sick, to cast out demons? To that, I mean, it, it didn't say that. It said then Jesus was he was moved with compassion. He was healing. He was doing what he what he was supposed to be doing, establishing his kingdom, preaching his kingdom. Why was he moved with compassion? For them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's what Jesus had compassion on. He saw all of the, she- all of the sheep of Israel and he saw people in the world that they didn't didn't have a shepherd, someone leading them and teaching them. Thus, I'm going back to the pastors. God called them to shepherd High Desert Word Center to help them to grow and to mature and to walk in the victory. You don't, okay, you don't have to be, you don't have to stay sick if you get sick. You don't even have to get sick according to the covenant because if we get sick, we can get healed. Some say, uh, people get sick in the day all the time. Yeah, well, they do. We can't deny that. One of the pastors, I love, I love all those little sayings, those little nuggets. Faith doesn't deny things, it changes things. And I was looking, I was looking back in our congregation, counting on my hands and my fingers and my toes on how many people actually had cancer. And then how many people in here died of that cancer? Do you know of anybody that I don't know of? No, I don't know. I mean, it's like, because the words that pastors are speaking is life-changing, life-altering, powerful, anointed words, getting you to grab a hold of these scriptures. 
whether we've done drugs, whether we got into alcohol, whether bondage by pornography, whether there was divorces, any type of sin, Jesus has set us free from those bondages. doesn't matter how deep they are and how far they go and how far you got beat down. It doesn't matter how far we get torn up. God wants to restore us, just like he did with Peter. Just like he brought, he dissolved the doubt in Thomas. He wants to increase our faith, increase our hope in him. That is it. I mean, really, to grow up, to mature. On the leadership portion, there's nothing more miserable, talking about those unequally yoked, is... And Josh being a leader on the praise and worship team or pastors being a leader in the church and someone is bucking against you. They're just not following guidelines or rules. It's just like, oh man, we got to deal with this somehow. God, give me wisdom on how so that we can be in unity. So the praise and worship team can be in unity. It's important that the praise and worship team's in unity so no yuck is flowing from the platform and it gets out there and hits out here. You got a, flo- a free flowing vessel of unity flowing out here. Unifying with the pastors, changing lives, revolutionizing the area. Our Barstow Faith Confession. Can we stand behind that? Can we stand behind our leaders? Can we agree with them and unify with them and show Barstow that High Desert Word Center is one. They have love. They care. They're not going to backbite, backbite their pastors. They're not going to backbite their congregation. They're going to walk in one. That is how people are drawn to a church. Through their love. Through our love. You know, I can keep on going. I cut it short. There are some stories in there that I... I aced. Try to stay away from the bunny trails and the rabbit trails. And I praise God. I'm going to stand with my pastors. I'm going to walk in unity. I'm not going to be in strife. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Exactly, Casey. That's how I felt. Sometimes. (laughs) Awesome to see you, Casey. That's great. Um, I'm pretty much done. I mean, really, I could, I could pray. I can keep on going, but I'm just going to turn it back over to Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.